Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, church. How are you today? Good morning, good morning. If you're a guest today, can you join me and let's just welcome any of our guests that are with us. So glad you came to church today. And if you're a guest, I want you to know that you only have, after today, two more weeks to meet with us here because we're moving out of this place. Pack your church bags. We're going to a new building real soon. Cannot wait, cannot wait. If you are new to us, we have a brand new building, brand new facility that is almost completed with renovations and we believe, believe, maybe a little by faith, but we believe that we'll be moving in and having our grand opening on October 22, and so we can't wait for that. going to be a, a glorious day. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Well, again, welcome. I do want to wish my son happy birthday, 30 years old. Happy birthday, Eli. We're in a series, I'm Over It. And maybe the, the idea for this came from a day that I was thinking, I'm so over meeting in the gym and I cannot wait to get to our new place. But that's not the idea of the series. The Bible teaches us that we are overcomers, like we should be over it in so many ways, more than conquerors. We're called to be victorious through Jesus Christ. But too often we allow certain things to, to bother us and things to gain some control over us. And we are called to be overcomers and be over it. We're never to be under our circumstances. And I declare to you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome the world and all the things that it brings to us. Can I get an amen, church? First John 5, 5 says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So on the count of three, would you declare I'm over it with me? One, two, three. I'm over it. Amen. So what are we going to be over today? Well, my title of my sermon today is I'm over it being offended. I will try my best to not offend you today. But if I do, I'm okay with it because I'm going to tell you to forgive me, all right? So it's going to be all right. Did you know that when you hold on to an offense, it's toxic to your soul? It's just toxic. And so rather than holding on to an offense, I want to teach us to, to get over it. I want to be over it. How many of you would agree that culture today is pretty triggered and can get offended pretty quick and, you know, just, just like that? And, and, you know, you can make a, a post on Facebook that seems pretty innocent and, and you'll trigger somebody. I mean, you could post, listen... I could post on Facebook this afternoon, I love puppies. Somebody's going to get triggered and go, but you didn't say kittens. It's true. I could post, I hope you have a blessed day. And someone would post back, what do you mean? You think I'm having a bad day? You think I need your blessing? I would chill. It's okay. People are offended. I get it. I personally am not easily offended. I've got pretty thick skin, unless you, you say something about my wife, and of course, you know, or you say something hurtful to one of my children, and then 
you know, daddy bear shows up. Or though, if you criticize our church, I'll, I'll get, I might get a little offended at that. Or if you criticize one of my sermons, then like today, if you, if you put online that sermon, blah, 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 I might get a little offended. Or, or if you, um, well, listen, if I make a post this afternoon and you don't come along and like it, I, I might feel that. I'm just saying. I need your likes. I need. Or listen, if you eat mushrooms and you put mushrooms on a pizza, what is wrong with you? That offends me and the pizza. You don't put mush. You put pineapples on a pizza. Amen. How many pineapple people we got in here? My point is, is maybe I get a little offended like everyone. Today, I'll probably share a few stories that might even let you see that I'm putting my cards on the table with you today and carries some things that I have to get over as well. But the reality is at some point, all of us will experience someone offending us. That's what the Bible teaches us in Luke chapter 17, 1. Jesus says to his disciples, it is impossible. Maybe say impossible with me. Say one, two, three, impossible, impossible. It's impossible that no offenses should come. And so it's impossible that an offense is not going to come knocking on your door. Now here's the thought for you before I move on with that verse. It's impossible that an offense will not come, but it's your choice whether or not you become offended. It's going to come. Mark my words. Maybe today. I don't know. But it's your choice whether or not you'll be offended. And then it goes on to say, but woe to him through whom they do come. So woe to those who offend. And so today isn't about those who offend. Today is about what to do. But don't be offensive. Let's just go there. And I promise you, I'm not going to try to be offensive ever. But occasionally, listen, if I don't ever say something that offends and hurts your feelings a little bit and step on your toes, I'm probably not doing a good enough job. So every now and then, I'm going to get it, all right? So, but not today. You're fine today. It's impossible for you to live your life and people not bring an offense to you. Someone's going to say something along the way that offends you, that is wrong. It's, a po- it's impossible to escape it. At some point in your life, probably several points in your life, you're going to experience the hurt from an offense. And, and the reality is, as I, as I talk about this today, many of you potentially are carrying significant wounds from something that has happened and from the past. And some of you have experienced at the hands of another abuse and Maybe someone took advantage of you. Maybe someone lied and, and cheated or betrayed you. And, and, and you, there's just the reality of that is there. Maybe someone hurt someone close to you and you've taken up their offense. And that happens. And potentially maybe a Christian did not act Christ-like and you were shocked at that. And you were devastated at the hands of someone that you thought would not be that or do that. Maybe in your situation at work or school, someone gossiped about you or lied about you. Maybe, maybe you got left off of a text thread of friends and they all had a, an event and you saw it on Facebook and you're like, why didn't I get invited? And you feel the rejection and the offense of that. And, 
And so listen, offenses are going to come. And so when it comes to being offended and offenses coming into your life, you're either at one of two places. You are either currently offended or you're about to be offended. And that's the reality of it. And that's what Jesus said. It's a fact that it's impossible to avoid the offenses. And so if that's the case, then let's learn how to deal with those offenses that come into our life. Now, some of you have heard many stories and messages about being offended and and overcoming that. And some of what I'm going to share with you may be somewhat of a repeat to you. But the way I've discovered it in my own life, this is one of the messages that you need to hear at least once a year. Because over the course of the year, you pick up these offenses and you need a reminder, oh yes, I got to lay those things down. I got to get over that. So if you've heard it all before, lean in because probably there's something you need to get over. Can I get an amen? Amen. The word offense in the Greek is scandalon. And it's an interesting word because it's actually a description of what happens when you don't release offense. Scandalon. It has two kind of warnings and meanings. And it describes this, this moment that when you're offended, what happens And so the first word that you find when you go into the Greek with this scandal and you find that it is described as a trap in life, a trap. And it it ensnares people. And so when someone offends you, you get ensnared in this place of of bitterness and, and you can get trapped. I'll describe it like this. Years ago when I was in the fourth grade, many years ago, like whew, way back, all right? Uh, I had a teacher, Mr. Reeves, and, and he was a phenomenal teacher. And he read us this book called Where the Red Fern Grows. How many of you have ever read or listened to Where the Red Fern Grows? If you haven't, get the book. What's wrong with you? It's a great book. All right. So, And I just want to say to all the teachers in the house that that teacher had such a positive impact on my life at the fourth grade. I still remember his impact. And so teachers, do your job well because your students will remember you for years to come. My teacher read us this book about where the red fern grows. And it was the first time that I visualized the images as he was reading that. It captured my imagination. And so in this book, Where the Red Fern Grows, it's about a a little boy in the country and he wanted to train up his, his um, hounds to chase after raccoons. And so in the mountains, we called those coons, you know. And so we chase, they would chase after these coons and trap and, and catch the coons. And so, so in this book, he had two little dogs, two hound dogs, and little, little Ann and old Dan. Anybody remember that? All right, so, so I, he needed to train his dogs and... And he needed the hide from a raccoon so that he could then drag that hide around and the dogs would learn to catch that scent and follow it around. And so what he did is grandfather taught him how to trap a raccoon. And so he built this box and they cut a small hole in the top of the box and they would put something shiny in that box. And so a raccoon would come along and, and, and notice that shiny thing and they're very curious little animals. And so So a raccoon will stick its hand in there, a little paw, and he'll grab that shiny thing. And as he's going to pull it out, the the hole is smaller than his paw, and he can't get his little paw out. And now a raccoon is a stubborn-headed little animal and won't let go. And he'll hold on to that 
until someone comes along and hits him on the head. And I mean, that's just this, this holding on to it. He's trapped. And I was thinking about that story because how simple it would be for that little raccoon to, to just drop it and set himself free. And when I think about offenses that come into our life, I'm going to tell you that it's actually really simple in concept to be able to drop it, let it go, so that you can set yourself free from the trap of an offense. Simple. The other word that is described as a warning when it comes to an offense is a stumbling block. And it describes an offense as a stumbling block. And so what it means is that when someone offends you, that if you don't get over it and if you hold on to it, it becomes something that trips you up and can make you kind of fall and hurt you in some capacity. So consider if you're walking on a path and, and you, you trip and you fall, it's, there's a stumbling block that has hurt you. And offense is like that. When someone offends you, it becomes this instant stumbling block that if you don't pay attention and get over it, then you'll trip and fall. I'll give you a little example. Last night, I'm watching the Colorado football game, and it's about 1030, and it's like the wildest, crazy game, and I wanted to watch it so bad. But I knew I needed to go to bed because I needed to be able to come here and have a, a clear brain to preach to you. Um, clear as I can be. And, and so, so I went to bed. It was about 10.30. And Harriet had already been asleep and the lights were pitch black. And, and so I'm trying to do that, you know, quietly get into the bedroom thing. And, and when I walk in, I miscalculate where the bed is. And I catch my left little toe on the bed frame last night. And it took me to my knees last night. And I was yelling inside. It looked like this. <laughs> on the ground. So much pain. I was hoping she'd wake up and think, look at my husband down there praying. I was in so much pain. I walked it off. You know, that's what you have to do. I walked it off around the house. Finally got in bed last night and I was thinking about that moment and this thought came up to me about a stumbling block and, and I thought, Lord, I really love to preach and it's really good to have an illustration, but why this one tonight? You know, I don't need that. I could come up with something else. But, and here's the whole thought for that, that when you're not aware that this is a, a stumbling block and you hold it, then it's gonna cause pain in your life. And I want to help us to not carry that type of pain in our life. And I want to share with you that holding on to an offense is hurting you way more than it's bothering the person that offended you. You're hurting yourself. And if you want to live free and you want to be happy, then you're going to have to learn to, to get over those moments when people offend you. It, it just doesn't do you any good to go around bitter and angry all the time. It doesn't help you. Now, being offended, what happens is, is it begins to 
to be like a seed and it begins to grow inside of you and it grows into other issues and problems in your life. And so let me read it to you in Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15. And the context of this verse is in the first part of this, of, of this and it says, work at living in peace with everyone. So here it is, is trying to teach us about relationships and when things aren't going well, we ought to work at living in peace. And it says, and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will see the Lord in you. And verse 15 says, now look after each other so that no one fails to receive the grace of God. And then it says this, it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. You see, you can't see the bitter root. When you hold on to a fence, it's like this root begins to grow. And it goes from a fence and into this situation, it talks about bitterness. And I want to say to you, and you need to understand this, that, that if you hold on to it inside, that that bitter root will produce bitter fruit in your life. Because what's going on inside of you begins to contaminate your soul. The offense grows and it becomes something more than what it started out with. You hold on to it and then there's bitterness. And even at some levels, I'll call it revenge. You want to you get even. You want to get back at somebody. You know, you've been there like, oh, I want to get back. And maybe if you've been offended, it, it produces in you this excess thinking about it and worrying about it and and talking about it and, and, and just stewing it over and sitting around at dinner with people and you go, oh, this person, blah, 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 and you know, and you just, and you waste so much of your time just talking about offenses because you didn't get over it. And the more you talk about it, the deeper it goes and the people that hear it, now they get offended and so we're all offended and we have a horrible night at dinner because all we're doing is talking about things that are, so not peaceful. It'll rob you. It'll rob your peace. You hold on to the bitterness and the, the, the offenses. It'll bring these negative emotions and it'll even bring a sense of a type of separation because when someone offends you, well, you, you put up a wall, you put up a barrier between you and that person. If, if something happens in your church and you, you put up those walls, if something happens in your marriage, instead of forgiving, you put up a wall and it begins to bring separation and division. And I want to say to you that the length of time that you remain offended is going to determine the depth of the pain that it causes in your life. And so we have to learn to quickly get over it because the enemy loves to step in when you hold on to a fence. It's like a, a doorway. It's like an open opportunity for the enemy to take advantage of this place in your life when you hold on to an offense. I'll remind you that the goal of the enemy, teaches us in John 10, 10, is his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll use an offense to begin to destroy your life. And this is what it says in the book of Mark chapter three. It says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house, if your house, if your home, if your marriage, if your friendships, if there's a, if there's a wedge, if there's a division, then that house cannot stand. And that division comes from the offenses in our life. And, 
And so I put it on the, on the screen like this, that the purpose of the enemy is to destroy you, to destroy your family, to destroy your church, to destroy the things that are important to you, to destroy your friendships. That's his desire. The strategy he does is to, is to divide you because there's, there's a house that's divided, can't stand. That's where the weakness comes. But his tactic is going to be an offense in your life. And he'll use that against you. And the moment you hold on to it, the enemy goes, oh, I have something I can work with. And he uses that as a tactic to divide and eventually bring more pain into your life. And so the enemy wants to bring pain into your life. And we need to learn to, to get over these, these offenses so that the enemy has no right to us and we can move on with our life and find freedom by letting it go. And so how do we get over it? I want to take us to a text in the book of Colossians. I'll read it to you. And it's got three points in it, and I'll show you those three points, and I'll preach a little bit about those points. But it teaches us how to, how to get over it. And so in Colossians 3.12, it says, Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves then you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and, and patience. Verse 13, the first point I'll make today, and I'll preach about it in a minute, but number one, make allowances for each other's faults. And then it says in number two, I'll talk to you about forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, number three, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. And so we'll take that text, use that as our way to find our way of getting over the offenses. And so the first thing that it teaches us is that we must make allowances for each other's faults. So what this means is that we need to prepare ahead of time to forgive. Like just go ahead and make up your mind now that when the offense comes into your life, you know what to do about it. You understand that you can see the trap now. I've told you that the offense is coming. Jesus said you can't avoid it. So if you can't afford, avoid it, then let's be ready for it so that when the offense comes, you recognize it, and rather than step on the trigger, you see it and you go, oh, I know what that is. That's an offense. And I know that if I hold on to this, it's going to hurt me. And so rather than step on the trigger, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get over that thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bypass all of the pain because I'm not going to allow that offense to sit in me. And I'm going to get over it quick. I believe that if you took the mentality that that I'm going to have like a, I'll call it a, a buffer zone, a, a grace buffer zone. It's, a, it's like I'm going to be prepared ahead of time that when things happen, I've got this grace zone between me and the offense and the offender, and it's just going to, it's going to protect me from so much that comes at me. Matter of fact, I'll just throw a percentage at you, and I have no earthly idea where I came from this other than I think it's right. But I, I would say that about 90% of the offenses that, that come your way, if you just already decide ahead of time, I'm just not going to let that bother me. I'm just going to go no. I, no to that offense. And I'm talking about all the stuff that just comes on a daily basis and the news you see and the way people act and they cut you off and they eat pizza with mushrooms, all those things. All that stuff, you just, you go, you know what, I just, I just, I've decided ahead of time that I know what that is. It's a trap. 
It's a stumbling block in my life, and so I'm, gonna, I'm going to, to get by it. Matter of fact, I'm just not going to give it any attention anymore. Do you know one of the best ways to overcome offenses and, and move on is to quit fueling it with your attention? You know, quit stewing over it. Quit talking about it. Quit following. Listen, you don't have to follow everybody on Facebook. Do you know that? It's okay to, it's okay to mute them. You can still follow them. Then that way they don't know. You know, trick them. You know, they think, they, they think you know, but just, 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 just quit looking. If it doesn't bring you any joy and it bothers you, you know, I don't want to see it anymore. It's okay to do that. You own your phone, by the way. Amen, Pastor Tim. So what I'm trying to say is, is to work at being unoffendable. Like just, I just, I'm not going to be offendable. It's going to be hard to offend me. You're really going to have to get me to, to, you know, get me. And I want to say to you that the offense, it, it's not worth your peace. You're holding on to something. It's just not worth the peace that you can have by letting it go. It's not worth losing God's favor in your life either. It's not worth it. You, you, can, you cannot walk in God's favor and walk in bitterness towards others at the same time. And so you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're hurting yourself. You think, I'm holding on to this and I'm just mad. And, and, and listen, you're just hurting yourself. You've got your hand in the little box just holding on. And the devil's just hitting you over the head. He's like little Billy. The Bible teaches us in Acts chapter 24, 16. I'll just read it to you. But it says, and the author writes, he says, I want to have a clear conscience. Void of offenses towards God and men. And what it's teaching us there is that that if you want a clear conscience, if you want the peace of God on your life, then you have to be void of the offenses towards God, but you can't be holding the offenses towards people at the same time. You have to let that stuff go. When you're less offended, you're more blessed by God. Simple as that. Why would you want to hold on to it? Being offended just simply isn't worth it. Let's just set up a grace zone and not let offenses get to us. Can I get an amen? amen? But what happens if you're already offended? You walked in, you're like, well, it's too late, Pastor Tim. You don't know. I don't know, but I'll give you the answer. And the answer is, is forgive anyone who offends you. Who is anyone? Thank you. So is it the person that comes back and says, I'm sorry? We'd love that. Is it the person that returns to you and go, you know what? You were so right and I was so wrong. And everything you said, you were so right. And everything I said was so wrong. And you know, you should just forgive me as I grovel at your feet. Now, wouldn't that be great? But let me tell you how many times that's going to happen. Zippo. And if you're waiting on that, you're going to stay offended. And so we need to give unmerited, they don't deserve it kind of grace towards offenders and the offense. Amen? Amen. So uh, tech team, would you put Colossians 3 back on the screen for just a moment? 
And so I'll read to you verse 13 again. It says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, now look at this next line because it's pretty significant in the whole thought of this. But remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I want you to know that Tim Blevins is so grateful that my God forgave me. I want you to know that the moment that I turned to Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus washed me clean, white as snow. And he took the sins and my offenses against him and he remembers them no more as far as the east is from the west. Forgiven, forgiven. I'm so glad that, that because of Jesus Christ that I don't walk around in fear today that every misstep I make, he's gonna hit me on the head and get after me. No, I live in this place of knowing that he forgives me. I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven and your sins are as far as the east from the west and he remembers them no more. Amen? Amen? And so we forgive others because I so appreciate the forgiveness he gave me. As well as Forgiveness isn't always just about their freedom, but it's about my freedom. Forgiveness is how I free myself. Unforgiveness grows into that bitter root that contaminates our soul. And it puts us in a place of bondages in our life if we hold on to it. When we don't forgive, we live with like grudges towards people. Like we hold on to stuff. Grudges. You can drive down, and listen, Wilmington's not that big, and you can pull up beside somebody in a car and you look over and you go, oh, I know them. And you've got a grudge. You can walk in the grocery store, and I can look down the aisle and go, oh, no. I, they offended me once. I'm going a different direction. We hold these grudges. You know what it does is it makes your life smaller. It destructs the plan of God in your life. Harriet and I love to shop for houses. Now, we don't buy them. We just like to shop for them. And I want every woman in here to know, men, I'm doing you a favor right here. You ready? Men, you can give me an amen. Ladies, you can walk into a store and shop without buying. Amen, men. Come on, men. <laughs> So we do this with houses, and it's not a waste of time, my love. So what we do is um, we, will, we will drive down a pretty neighborhood, and we'll look at these houses, and, and we'll start dreaming about, what if we lived in that house? And, and we'll see a house, and, and it'll have beautiful landscaping and, you know, ivy that's growing up around the garage, and we think that's beautiful, you know. And, and, and so then what we do is we'll like, hey, get Zillow out. And, and we'll look at Zillow and you can pull up that house and you can look and, and sometimes we're like, oh my goodness, it's got a pool in the backyard. We want that house. You know, I'm like, we're just looking at it and, and, you know, and dreaming about it. And then you look at what it would cost and you're like, hey, you know, put the foot on the pedal and drive away, you know, but <laughs> so we, we're house shopping. And, and one time we were doing our little thing. We saw this house and we're like, 
oh, it's great, and we're talking about it. And then we remembered that someone who had offended us some years back lived on that street. And this popped into my head. You don't want to live there. You don't want to live on the same street with somebody that offended you. And the Lord revealed to me at that moment that too often I bury the hurts, but I don't forgive the hurts. That I will just try to get past it, but I don't forgive it. I bury it. And you know what happens when you bury it? That root, that bitter root, it's in there. And just when you don't want it to, it pops its little head up and goes, you're still holding an offense. Your pastor had to have a moment of repentance before I could preach this sermon and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've held on to that. I forgive them for what they did. I let it go. We don't want to hold on to that stuff, do we? Forgiveness, if we don't forgive, we, we wound ourselves and we hurt ourselves. And so we want to set ourselves free from the prison offense, amen? And I want you to know that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice you make, but it's not an option if you want to be happy and free. If you want freedom, you want happiness, you have to, you have to forgive. And I want to be over it, just like you do. The last thought I'll have for you is the scripture teaches us to clothe, clothe ourselves with love. God's love. This is the, the part of the, of the process where we are recovering from the offense. Some of the things that have happened in your life have, have been significant. And they have created a, a deeper wound in your life. And, and, and you know, you can't just you know, one message, just get over it and go, it's over, it's gone, yay me. Um, because there's deep wounds that are there. There's abuses that have been there. There's slanders that have been there. There's rejections that have come. And, and these things can scar our soul. I'll, I'll read this verse to you, and I just want you to hear the heart of God. He says in Psalms 147.3 that he, this is God, heals the brokenhearted and he binds or he he anoints with ointment, but he binds up your wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds the wounds. And some of the things that have happened in your life are, are awful and they're, they're, they're deeply hurtful in your life. And I just want you to know that God knows that. And he invites you into a process of healing by clothing yourself with his love. That's the place you'll begin to heal. That's the place you begin to understand that, that I, I am healing. I, am, I can get better because God loves me. I can get past this in my emotions and I can get past this in the, the wounds of my soul because I know he loves me. And I wanna encourage you to, to clothe yourself, to remind yourself and to begin to, to declare over your life that my God loves me and he will heal me. You do not have to be a hostage to that offender forever. And so you can be healed. Amen. 
Years ago, I was in Africa on a mission trip with some people from our church, and we were given this tour of this little village, and they had told us that the people there were, were sick all the time. And they had these parasites and different problems, and, they, and they're just always sick. And so we were asking all the questions, you know, what's wrong, and you know, and why, and, and we're doing tours of this little village, and and then they took us to this watering hole. Like this is where the people got their water. This is what they drank. And when we got there, we were kind of standing up above it on the bank. And, and Ashley Lambert was with us and, and others. I, I don't know if you're in the room, but we were there. And, and we're standing there and we're watching this, this mud pit where they drank out of. And we're watching these little kids bathing in it. Children without diapers and just cleaning up. While that was happening, one kid was getting water out of it and drinking it. And then they brought a, an animal to it and it drank while standing in it. And, and we're standing there looking at this thinking, well, the reason they're sick is they're drinking from this contaminated water hole. And, and our thought was it's so simple to fix this. Like, all we have to do is say, stop bathing and stop bringing your animals there. It's that easy for people to get healed and whole again. And I was thinking about that moment as I'm talking to you about freedom. Because it's so simple for me to tell you that if you want to be healed and healthy and free and happy again, it's as simple as... What we looked at that water, and I would say to you, it's as simple as getting over it by forgiving and by letting go and, and moving on and clothing yourself in God's love. And concept, simple, granted walking it out, not always, but, but as easy as it was as us to see what would help them, I'm here to tell you, I can help you if you'll forgive Some of you are here today still carrying a wound. You're, you're drinking from a water hole that's contaminating your soul. And if you'll take today and choose, make a decision to begin to forgive. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. You may have to forgive that person 25 times, but just keep doing it. Keep stepping over. Don't let it get inside of you. You can begin a process of healing and freedom today. I want that for you. So I'm telling you, I'm asking you, who is it that contaminated the water that you need to forgive and get out? In a moment, I'm going to set up a way for you to be able to say, God, I forgive. Before I do that, though, I want to offer to anyone in the room who has never had their sins forgiven by Jesus and you're still walking in the, the bondage of your sin and you're ready to be free from that. Maybe you've got here by a friend and somehow you came to church today and you're hearing all of this and you're like, I, 
I know I'm not a follower of Christ, and today you can be a follower. And when you choose Jesus, he forgives you of those sins, and you can be free. So in this really holy moment, would you bow your heads? And if you're here today, and you've never become a follower of Jesus Christ, and you still have that sin in your life, you want to be forgiven, then I'm going to invite you today just to lift your hand to me so that I can see you're ready to say yes to Jesus. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Is there anyone here? Would you lift your hand to me and say, Pastor Tim, I want that for me. Let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. I turn to him for forgiveness and salvation today. Thank you that my sin is washed away and it's remembered no more. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I want to give you a chance now if you're harboring something. I want to give you this moment to not walk out of here still carrying that, that offense in your life. So first thing I'm going to ask you to do is stand to your feet. Then I'm going to ask our prayer team to go to the sides and go ahead and prepare. And if you're in this room and you're harboring some unforgiveness and some bitterness and some frustration and offenses, I'll give you two options. Well, you have a third. You can do nothing. But you can come here and, and kind of symbolically say, God, I forgive them. And maybe just lay it on the stage. Lay that offense on the, on the stage. Two, go to someone and say, would you pray for me? I could use a little extra. This is a little deeper, needs a little more. They'll pray for you. Also, if you have any need in your life, they want to pray for you. You can go to them for that. We have communion in the back of the room. You're free to leave your seat and go get communion. Take communion. Remember what Christ did. Come back to your seat. The worship team is going to take us into a, a wonderful song of worship. And what a way to close out a day by lifting our hands and telling Jesus we love him. We're so thankful that he forgave us of our sins. Thankful that he sets us free from bitterness. And so let's take this final moment in the service to really make it matter. If you need prayer, go get prayer, communion, or stay in worship. Father, we love you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And we worship him because he sets us free. In Jesus' name. You're free to go.